what if you pray about everything? What, what if you was to walk out of this building and go, you know what? I'm going to start praying about everything. My old buddy, Pastor Jude Foquay, used to say something like this. If you don't pray for everything, you won't pray for nothing. What if you walk out? I be, I'm believing that God does a shift in our thinking when it comes to prayer and God would do something so much by his spirit in the area of prayer that we would have a, a constant communion with the Father. I was on an airplane the other day. And by the way, I just want to tell you, I was on an airplane because Radine and I, we went from a conference in Alabama to Arizona to be with our first church plant out of here called River City Church. And it's, they're doing amazing right outside of Phoenix in this town called uh, Avondale. How many of you remember Pastors Joe and Kirsten Tuttle? Gosh, very few of you. Wow. What has happened in the last three and a half years or so? They've moved, they've planted a church there. Uh, they're doing absolutely amazing. The church is just a beautiful church. If you're ever in the, the Phoenix, Arizona area, you should go to Avondale to River City Church. It is a radical, beautiful, wonderful, wonderful church. But we were traveling from Alabama to there, and we're leaving a, a powerful conference called ART, and we get on Southwest Airlines. And, and I, I forgot about Southwest. I forgot, I don't usually, you know, fly a lot of Southwest. I forgot that you don't have a, a seat assigned to you. And I'm like, where's my seat? I get on there and, you know, because you got a seat assigned to you. You don't typically, it doesn't matter really what time you get on the airplane. You got your seat right there. But it does when you fly southwest. You really want to be the first on the airplane. If not, the seats that are available is center between two people, right? And so, which is fine, but it's just a little bit, you know, so there's two dudes and I'm like, hey, can I sit right there? They're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I sit down and say hi to the one on the left, you know, have some small talk and talked way more to the person on the right uh, throughout the flight at times, beginning and end. But in the middle of the flight, I just have my head down. I've been in a conference and in a conference, though, it's extremely powerful. You're in, you're in around people like a lot of the time, morning and lunch and nighttime, and, and then you're tired and it's hard to get away to pray and just connect with the Father. So I'm sitting between the two dudes on, on the airplane, and I just, I'm sitting there praying a little bit, I'm not trying to be weird or anything. I'm just, I'm just praying and just praying, kind of resting and praying. And the guy at, uh, later on looks at me and he says, hey, man, is there something wrong? I'm like, he says, I, I see you praying a lot. Is there something I can pray for you about? <laughs> and I started thinking about that. Is that the mindset of America? Is that the mindset of the church? Is that the mindset of you today? I don't know. Is it the mindset that we only pray if there's a problem? I come to declare to you today that God wants to have communion with you, authentic relationship with you throughout the day, all day, every day, any day that you would pray about anything. The Bible says, pray without ceasing. 
And I know that's a bit challenging, but I'm just talking about, I'm not really here today to say, hey, you need to set still and, and, and add this time to your prayer life. I'm here to say that I think that God would have us pray about everything. Think about this for a minute. What if you pray during all the time that you worry? What if you prayed about all the times that you whined or complained? Or talked about your boss. If you don't talk about your boss, I'm not talking to you. If you talk about your boss, I'm talking to you. But what if you prayed during all those? What if we prayed about everything? How powerful that would be. Corey Ten Boone says, is prayer your steering wheel or your spare tire? What, what does that mean to me? That means, do you pray when your life is just blowing up? Or do you pray at all times and let God lead you and steer you through a life of prayer? Do you pray only in trouble? Do you only, oh, I love that. Come on, childlike faith. Praise God. I wish other adults would talk back to me a little bit. Do you pray? Only or get saved and walk with Jesus only when you're in jail? Do you come to church only when you have a cancer diagnosis? God wants us to have a relationship with him, constant communion with him. He wants you to pray. Yeah, pray when you're in trouble. Yeah, pray if you get a bad diagnosis. Yeah, pray if you're in jail. All of those different things. But he wants, to, he wants you to pray on a sunny day. He wants you to pray when everything's going good. He wants you to pray, yeah, in the valley. But he wants to pray you to pray on the mountaintop when everything is peachy. Why? Because God, your Father, wants to have a relationship with you. Jesus, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. Jesus, teach us, teach us to pray. Okay, okay. Our Father. Our Father. Our, our Father. Our Father who art in heaven. Come on. Our Father. He wants his sons and his daughters to have a relationship with him who is our Father. He wants to have communion with you, an authentic relationship with you all the time. He's not just... Jehovah Sugar Daddy. <laughs> or Yahweh when you're in trouble. He wants you to talk with him throughout the day. Relationship. Will you say that with me? Relationship. An intimate, loving, share your heart, down to earth, authentic, sharing your burdens as a father to a daddy, as a daughter to a daddy. Come on. He wants to have a relationship with you, not just when you're going through a horrific divorce or drug addiction. Have you ever thought that maybe we wouldn't go through a lot of the things that we maybe end up going through if we have a relationship with him through the good times? Talking in communion with him throughout our every day, each day, every moment of our life. And you're like, well, Jail, that would consume my time. I'm talking about, have you ever done this before? Have you ever been like, uh, God, I didn't pray today. I just didn't have time to, oh my goodness, I, I feel so... Wow, I didn't pray. 
Well, what if you prayed instead of condemning yourself in that very moment? What if you commune with the Father and pray about everything? Everything, every day. You're going to that meeting, pray about it. Walking your dog, pray about it. Man, I pray for dogs. I'm going to tell you right now, I pray for my dog. I pray for other people's dogs. I'm going to tell you right now, I lay hands on my truck. (laughs) Pray about everything. A radical life of prayer. I'm going to tell you what I think happens because we go in these ebbs and flows of having a prayer life. And after about three decades of ministry, I'm going to tell you what I think happens to our prayer life. If you'll turn with me to Hebrews 2.1. If you've got your Bibles, please turn there. I think you should outline it, underline it, highlight it. I don't mark in my Bible, J.O. Get a Bible that you'll mark in. Do whatever you need to do. Put it, I think this is a good verse for us. Hebrews 2.1. I'm going to read it like, it's, like, like you could easily read it. And then we're going to read it in a different fashion, okay? This is how you could easily read this scripture in your daily devotion. So we listen to every careful of the truth that we've heard of. We live, drive, drive away from it. Amen. Exactly. Let's pray. Let's, let's read. Let's prayerfully read this scripture the way I think that God would want us to read it today. That could really impact our life. So we must listen very carefully to the truth we have heard, or we may drift away from it. Now, I know I was being a little facetious a while ago. You probably don't read it that way, but I've kind of read through Scripture sometime before in a hurry to get my devotions in, and that's not what I want you to do. I want you to look at this. So we must what? Go with me. We must what? Listen. Listen what? Very to the which we have heard, or we may, say that with me again, away from it. Everyone typically in January is so excited You can just feel the expectation and excitement about prayer and a a new diet and and, and, and gym. You come to my gym and try to take over my gym and and, and, and all these different things. All in January, it's like, man, going to start getting on this, you know, read the through the Bible in a year, and going to pray, and, and then everyone's excited about the sound and getting a word from God, and man, seek week, morning, and at, at, at 7 o'clock, and at noon, people are praying, and heart prep is packed, just packed out, people are so excited about prayer, and and then and, and, and the sound comes, and, and then, well, then what happens? It's like, if you're not careful, you begin to drift. Just your, your, your daily devotions begin to drift. Your, your prayer life begins to drift. Your, your word life, your, your thought life begins to drift. If you're not careful, it's easy to drift. Why is it easy to drift? Because drifting is easy. 
You get in a, a creek or you get in a, a lake with a current or you get on a river and, and all you have to do is nothing. And you'll drift. God wants to put a paddle in your hand today. You can call it a paddle of prayer, but we need the paddle. We need the paddle. Jesus raised up disciples. We're not just Christians. We're disciples. We're those who are disciplined. We need a paddle. We need, to, we need to paddle in order not just to drift in our life. You can drift in your marriage. You can drift in your relationship with Christ. You can drift in your, 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 your thought life. It's easy to drift. It's easy to drift in your prayer life. You're just drifting. A, slip sliding away. <laughs> slip sliding away. Hey, hey. It's almost like the ex same exact word. It's drifts, slip. It's like having treasures in your hand and, and you don't grab a hold of it. And because you don't grab the treasures, they just drift, slip through your fingers. And all of a sudden, when you were so fired up in January, it's like, where, where, where are you at in February? It's like young people go to summer camp and, man, they have a mountaintop experience. And praise God, I'm glad that you do. And, man, they're just like chomping at the bits to get in the presence of God. And all of a sudden, it's like a couple months later, it's like drift. Man camp. And then a month later, drift. Woman's conference, drift. Get touched radically by God and drift. It's easy. To drift. If you don't paddle in life, you will drift. Do nothing at all and you'll drift. Anybody ever had a, a car before that had a clutch problem and you got an old clutch and that, that clutch slips? How many, just be honest in church, you had a, a vehicle that the clutch slips? You get in that little four banger, you know what I'm saying? Four selling you, yeah, 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 pop the clutch, and it catches. It's kind of like that same that same thought of drifting or or a bad clutch slipping. You just you just it's easy. Just your prayer life. If you don't make it and be very intentional. It's easy to drift, and it's always been easy to drift. And Jesus' disciples even drifted. Jesus is in the most crucial moment of his life. They're getting ready to come and capture him, to take him, to, to beat him and crucify, scourge him. And now he's in the garden, and he's praying, and his brother is praying. He's praying so intently that he's sweating blood. Blood is coming through his pores. And that's the picture of it. And then he has this conversation with his disciples. He says this, Mark 14, 37 through 38. Then he came and found them sleeping. Disciples sleeping, drifting, slipping, sleeping. And said to Peter, Simon, are you sleeping? Could, could you not watch one hour? I think that's where one of the most beautiful teachings of praying for an hour comes from. And I say, yeah, absolutely pray for an hour. But that's not my exact subject today. 
My exact subject today is, yeah, God laid it on your heart to pray an hour. Pray an hour. But my, my heart, what I want to share with you today is to be in constant communion with the Father. Now, should you have time set aside to pray? Absolutely. But throughout the rest of the day, communing with the Father. Can, can Peter, can you not watch? Could you not watch one hour? Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. Here's my point. The Spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. I don't care how long you've been in church, how cute you are, what kind of cool shoes you wear, what kind of car you have, how old you are, or how young you are, your flesh is weak. Every person's flesh in this room is weak, and your flesh will take you and drift you away if you don't paddle. If you don't paddle in prayer, if you don't power, paddle in your, in your word life, if you don't paddle in your thought life, I'm going to tell you right now, you will drift. Because you're like the disciples. The Spirit is indeed willing. God's Spirit is always willing. But our flesh is always weak. Flesh happens. <laughs> life happens. Flesh happens. It, it just happens paddle. The Father desires an authentic relationship with you. Listen to what Joyce Meyer says. She said, prayer is simply talking to God like a friend and should be the easiest thing you do each day. Be careful not to drift. Here's a, a challenging quote that I found it's powerful by Oswald Chambers. It can bring a real shift in your thinking when it comes to prayer. He says this, prayer does not fit us for the greater work. Prayer is the greater work. So it's not like, well, I got to pray in order to do these great things. No, no, no. Prayer is the great thing. I think God is looking for a real radical, authentic relationship with you and I that we would pray from our heart. He looks upon the heart. I believe he wants to hear from your heart. And he tells us how to be prayed, how we pray to be seen and heard on high and not to be. Listen to this, Matthew 6, 5. This is how we should not pray. He says this, and when you pray, he's assuming we're going to pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the street that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have received, they've, they, they received their reward. What, what's their reward? Well, they got seen by men. They got the brownies and all the praise of, oh, look at, look at that guy. Man, he's a real prayer warrior. Look at that. Oh, wow, he prayed. God's like, <laughs> technical. That's not what I'm looking for. And he says in the next verse, this is how you are seen by God. This is how you are heard of God. He says this. He says this. Look, check this out. But you, tell your neighbor right now, but you. Look, 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 no, no, be very intentional. I'm, I'm, I'm serious. Tell him, be, but you. Tell one more neighbor, but you. Now tell yourself, but you. Tell yourself, but you. 
I think the most sanest people on the face of the earth are those who talk to themselves. <laughs> Talking to yourself is very biblical. David said, bless the Lord, O oh my soul. So you're going to bless the Lord. Don't forget all of his benefits. So he heals all your diseases and loves you with tender kindness and takes away all your So you will bless. I think talking to yourself is a very godly thing. But you, this is what he says, when you pray, assuming you're going to pray, go into your room. And when you shut your door, pray to your father who sees in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. My prayer closet, honestly, would be my pickup truck. Everyone's got their prayer closet. That would be mine. If I'm ever in there and you see me talking to myself, I'm okay. Don't check on me. I'll be fine. Martin Luther said, to be a Christian without prayer is no more possible than to be alive without breathing. If we're going to be a true Christian... A true follower of Jesus Christ. What does that mean? I think it means to be Christ-like. Absolutely, but let's break it down. We're in relationship with the maker, God Almighty. He wants to have a relationship with you. Now, I want to challenge you to this. That prayer is not a magical method. It's not like say these magical words exactly. It's not like the perfect prayer equation. I think the Bible teaches us how to pray in many circumstances and many situations. And that's why we have Holy Spirit to lead us into all truth. Holy Spirit, he's my advocate. He stands beside me. Jesus is seated on the right hand of the Father. He didn't leave me alone as orphan, but he sent my helper, the help, your helper, Holy Spirit. He lives inside of me, and he stands beside me. He wants to lead you in your prayer life. And so the Bible teaches different ways to pray. I want to hit on four or five, maybe six of them this morning as I'm wrapping up. Sometimes we need to seek and ask and knock, and that's okay. Not always like sugar daddy and the only thing you come to him is seeking and asking, but it's okay to petition. God wants to hear from his children. The Bible says, code red, I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find it. Knock and it will be opened. J-O, Joe, 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 Joe. What happens if I seek and ask and knock and nothing happens? You seek and you ask, and you knock, and you seek, and you ask, and you knock. We have a turkey in our neighborhood. He's a full-blown, mature Tom. He is huge. Man, when he drags his, his feathers on the road, he is beautiful. This guy is huge. He is bad to the bone, and I call him Hop. I never thought Hop would be alive today, and Hop is still alive because he's handicapped. And this is how beautiful, full-blown turkey, uh, 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 not a little Jake, I'm talking about this brother is a full-blown strutter, man. And this, he doesn't strut. This is how he gets around. You would never know it until he moves. This is him. I 
I've seen him for years. I'm thinking, bro, you, ain't, you, you are never going to make it. Man, I tell you, we ha- I saw two, one or two coyotes in our neighborhood. We got cats and we got dogs. And I'm like, man, Hop, I don't know if you'll ever make it to next season. And you know who I see every year, year after year? This big old Tom Turkey, full-blown beard, just whoo. And <laughs> this, is, this is him in all the other turkeys, man, they're all out in their group and he's trying to catch up with. <laughs> he is the, I, I just wanted to video him. I'm just so amazed at him. I pull, I actually pull for Hop. I'm like, dude, man, you are the most persevering animal I've ever seen. That brother does not give up. <laughs> you seek, you ask. You knock, and you keep seeking, and you keep hopping, and you keep asking, and you keep seeking, and you keep knocking. If you have breath in your lungs, keep seeking, keep knocking, and keep asking. And sometimes we pray this way. We call fire down from heaven. The Bible says the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Sometimes it's asking, seeking, and knocking. And sometimes it's a radical, fervent prayer. What does that word fervent mean? It means energo, the Greek, where I think we get the word energy. A very active prayer, a very radical, a very fervent, warm, a radical prayer. It means to be active, efficient, do, effectual, be mighty in, show forth, self, work. I'm telling you, a rad- radical, sometimes loud, effective, rending the heaven prayer. Does God hear my prayer if I'm quiet and I'm meditative and, and it's all inside? I think he does hear those because he's spirit. I just happen to believe that he answers quickly when you are very serious. My son was on a jump jump trampoline when he was little. He falls off and hits a spring and just bashes his head open. I knew something was wrong because he sounded different. Comes in the house just Am I going to die? <laughs> no, you're not, you're not going to die. It's all good. But he sounded different. When your kids have an accident, mom and dad knows if they're kind of whiny crying or if it's a serious cry. My daughter, Jamie, was on a three-legged stool, which are straight from hell. <laughs> straight from hell. If you make them because you think they're cute, <laughs> repent. <laughs> a three-legged stool is good for nothing. <laughs> we had a beautiful little three-legged stool, pretty log, you, and it was terrible, man. She's on top of the three-legged stool dancing around because that's what Jamie did, always dancing. She falls off and breaks her arm. I didn't know it was broke. Daddy tries to put it back in place. <laughs> Daddies, don't be doctors. 
Took her to the hospital. It was broke. Got a little cast. All good. My point. Here's my point. There was a sound that came out of Jamie that got mom and dad's attention. There was a sound that came out of Seth that got our attention. Sometimes there's got to be a sound that comes from his sons and daughter that's going to rend the heavens and get his attention. Amen. Hezekiah got a word from Isaiah. Hezekiah was a king, and Isaiah, man, he gave him a word. Woo. Thus says the Lord, you're going to die. <laughs> How would you like to get that word? Hezekiah turns to the wall and he begins to pray and he cries out to God. He cries, the Bible says, he cries bitterly and before Hezekiah got through the court, God sent his word to, Hezekiah, to Isaiah again and said, thus says the Lord. And he healed Hezekiah and he gave him 15 more years. Why? Because I think a real heartfelt prayer. God hears your prayer just like he heard Hezekiah's prayer. So sometimes we ask and seek and knock. Sometimes we call down fire from heaven, effectual, fervent prayer. Sometimes we have to just say. Would you say that word with me, say? say. These are all biblical expressions of prayer in the Bible. Don't put Jesus in your little bitty prayer religious box. Jesus says this cold red. So Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief, for surely I say, if you have faith of a mustard seed, it doesn't take a lot, you will say, say that with me, say, you will say to what? The mountain. Move from here to there and it will move and nothing will be impossible for you. Sometimes we just need to say, just, just say. So like, Oh, Jesus, I just pray over this mountain in Jesus' name, and I just have compassion and sympathy over the mountain, and I, God, your will be done over this mountain. Jesus might be saying, why don't you just say to the mountain? Say to the mountain. Sometimes we ask, sometimes we seek, sometimes we knock, sometimes we call down heaven, sometimes we say, and do you know sometimes you just have to command in Jesus' name. You have a God-given authority inside of you. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. God's given you authority over all the power of the enemy. And sometimes, I'm not talking about an arrogant prayer, but I'm talking about a humble, authoritative prayer in the name of Jesus. Peter and John was walking to the temple in the hour of prayer. And there was a dude that was sitting by the, 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 the gate called Beautiful, sitting there at the front of the temple. And this guy was a beggar because he had never walked. It ain't like he walked, walked got handicapped, and, 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 and now he's not. The brother's never walked. He's been a handicap. He's been unable to walk since he was out of the womb. Peter and John walks up to him, and, you know, there, he's there with his little cup to get a little silver or gold. He's been doing it all of his life, and, and I, I want to read a little bit of it because it's just beautiful what they say. And fixing his eyes on him with John and Peter said, look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Can I say something? When you pray, pray expecting to receive something from Jesus. 
It's called faith. It's called believing. Expect. He thought that, hey, I'm going to get some little silver or gold. He came expecting. Then Peter said, silver and gold I, I do not have. But what I do, I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. Did, did you hear that? Did, did you notice that Peter and John didn't go, well, sir, I just really don't know if it's God's will for you to walk. Uh, that's right. All right, let's, let's pray about that. Let me, let me, I know this is going to shake your theology a little bit, but just go with me because I'm just telling you what the Bible says. God, if it's your will... This dude that's been here all his life, sitting by the gate of, if it be your will, would you cause him to walk? Do you know that they didn't say that? They said, in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Do you know why I think they said that? Because they had walked with Jesus three and a half years, and they saw Jesus raise the dead, open blind eyes, went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed of the devil. I believe they knew the will of God. Oh, it's quiet in here now, but that's all right because I'm just preaching God's word. What causes us to sometimes, and me, not to say, rise up and walk? I think we're like, wow, w what if though? If, wow, you know, I don't know. See, then you become the healer, and you're not the healer. We make a place to the best of our ability for the extravagant one to heal. He's the healer. You and I are not the healer. We do our best to step out in faith and believe in faith that God's going to move mountains, that he's going to hear, that he's going to call. You know what Peter did? The guy had never walked in his life. You know what Peter did? Peter did this. Bobby, help me out right here. Bobby, help me out. Peter did this. Let me help you up. Let me help you up. Boom, boom. The guy had never walked. Peter helped him up on his feet. Do you know where Peter may have learned that from? Remember when Peter walked on water? Remember what Peter began to do? Began to sink because he took his eyes. He put his eyes on the exterior, on the physical. He put his eyes on the storm and on the wind. Jesus reached down as he was drowning and picked him up. Thank you. Keep your eyes on Christ. While we do not look at the things which are seen, we're not going to look at, man, you've been crippled all your life. Why we do not look at the things which are seen, but the things which are unseen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are unseen are eternal. Eyes of faith. Let me close with this today. The key to our prayer life has to be faith. It's impossible to please God without this key of faith. Anybody that comes to him must come to him in faith. When you pray, you must believe. You must, you must, you have to have faith or you're just talking or just babbling. Faith. Listen to a few scriptures in that area. Matthew 21, 22. Whatever things you ask in prayer, believing you will receive. James 1, 6. 
but let him ask in faith with no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. And it goes on to say, he's a double-minded man, unstable in all of his ways. Faith, believe. James 5, 15, and the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he's committed sins, he will be forgiven. And there's so much more that I'd like to say. Praying in the spirit, how important it is to pray in the Holy Spirit, contending for your faith, praying in the, in, the, in the most Holy Spirit. Ephesians talks about praying in the Spirit. Powerful. Sin can hinder our prayers. Asking God to wash us and cleanse us that our sin would not hinder our prayers, that we could keep his commandments and we could walk in his ways. Prayer.